Hello, folks! And welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris, here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls here every single week on the Big Orange Podcast. And if that sounds good to you, make sure that you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed and subscribe. Uh, Usually the show drops on Monday, but this week we pushed it so that we could talk about the actual defensive coordinator hire, and it happened on Monday. And so we pushed it to today. Uh, And uh, you can catch every new episode on that Monday morning uh, at the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. At Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, and at A to Z Sports on Twitter. A to Z Sports Nashville.com for everything Zach writes and Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville. Got the academics out of the way. And Zach, after a, a number of weeks now uh, of back and forth and it's this guy and it's that guy and maybe it's this guy we're not totally sure if it's that one this ooh, he's we're centering in on this guy but now it's actually this guy Tennessee as a defensive coordinator and it is Tim Banks who uh is certainly someone that I personally had to uh google and look up his background and see what he was all about, uh, but we'll talk about all of that and break down all of the staff announcements that have happened. We don't know the full staff quite yet, but Zach, what are your thoughts on Tim Banks? First off, I'm just glad they finally made a hire so I could kind of relax a little bit. The whole texting, checking your phone every five minutes, texting people to try to find out what's going on, and sometimes hearing back, not hearing back. It was you know how it is with Tennessee. It's, it can be exhausting. Um, it was it was definitely a, a wild defensive coordinator search. There was a lot out there, uh, despite Danny White's efforts to to plug the leaps. Though I think, a little side note, I think he might have found one of his leaps because Jimmy Hyams at one point was reporting that Blake Baker at LSU was offered the job, and Jimmy Hyams was the only person that reported anything like that. It was it was quickly refuted by reporters on the LSU side of things. I think some uh, people that cover Tennessee, I think Brent Hubbs maybe was one that that refuted it as well. So I, I, I kind of think that was Danny White's attempt to to find one of his leaps and 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 uh, take care of it. But yeah, I think uh, I think they landed with a. A decent defensive coordinator, somebody has the opportunity or the potential to, to, to do a good job at Tennessee. Wouldn't have been my first choice. Um, I thought there were some people they spoke to during the process that would have been a better fit for what Tennessee wants to do. Uh, I was personally a fan of Josh Conklin at Wofford, uh, the Wofford head coach. He'd been the D.C. at Pittsburgh. The style of defense he runs, he's, he's been at Tennessee before. He, he, he wanted this job. He wanted to be at Tennessee. I, I think it's somebody that that Tennessee liked, but he's the head coach at Wofford. And you heard a lot of everybody you talked to in this search, the word that I kept hearing was perception. I kept hearing what Danny White wanted in a coach. Kind of shows his involvement in the in the search and the perception. And the perception is you hire a guy from Wofford and everybody's like, Who is this guy? I, I don't think that would have been the case. 
but you know, it's it's going to be Banks and all things considered, the way the search played out, I, I think they landed with somebody that that they had to overpay for him, but. I think he has the potential to do good things at Tennessee. I mean, you want to talk about perception. I, the, the the full perception of this entire coaching search for me is that, and this is kind of off topic, but let's just do it. I, none of this moves the needle. Like nothing that's happened actually moves the fan needle, gets fans going. All You know the line that I have heard so much through all of this that just every every time if I tweet anything that is remotely negative about what is going on, because I, you know, I've had my criticisms, obviously, and I'm kind of known as the negative guy. So many people go, just give him a chance. Just give him a chance. Give him a chance. We got to give him a chance. We got to give him a chance. Okay. Great. I'll give him a chance. None of this moves the needle, though. That's fine. I, I Obviously, I'm going to give him a chance. But none of this makes me excited. Tim Banks? Who? Tim Banks? I, like, I don't... That's not going to move the needle, get me excited. Not that, that that guy was out there. I don't know who that guy would have been. Conklin would not have been that guy. I would have gone, who? Josh Conklin? <laughs> who is that? You know? I would not... None of that moves the needle. Heupel didn't move the needle... None of the staff so far, except for, I, I guess uh, you could say the, the defensive line coach from uh, Auburn. Uh, he's great. Uh, why is his oh, name escaping? Rodney right Garner. Now? Rodney Garner. Rodney Garner. Rodney I mean, that, yeah. that's, that's a really solid hire. And they needed the good PR when they dropped that name. I mean, they people were getting restless and kind of going, why aren't we hiring a DC? Where's the DC? And then they sort of announced Rodney Garner out of nowhere. And he's really the only other defensive staff that they've announced. Um, and so that's good, but just none of this is, is just getting anybody up out of their seat. I, I don't get this chatter that you've, you've heard, cause you've been a little more connected into everything around this search and you've done some really good work, uh, you know, work in the back channels. Any talk about perception to me is just overblown and it's Danny white overthinking everything. You've blown the perception. Who cares about perception? At this point, hire the right guy. Hire the right guy. Like that's that's it. And I, Tim Banks might be the right guy, absolutely. But if they're worried about perception behind the scenes, stop. There's no reason to do that because the perception is not going to get better until you win football games. That's the bottom line. Nothing about this will get better. And, and you got to hire. Go ahead. It's, it's got to be the right guy to win football games too. Like yeah, it doesn't exactly. Like who who cares who you hire in February? I mean, if you hire that the big name that that like you said, we don't even know if it exists. Like, is it Will Muschamp? Maybe somebody maybe, like that yeah. has a big name who who wasn't ever even a factor in this search. Uh, yeah, you hire that guy, and for a week you get good press. You know, spring practice comes, you're excited, you see some mic'd up clips of the guy yelling in practice. That's fun. That that's great off season stuff, but. Winning in September, October, November. That that's all that matters and it's the only thing that's going to change this. Yeah. You just can't it's just a matter of time. We have to get to the football games because just none of, you didn't hire the big name. You failed on hiring a big name. 
And that was that. That ended any of this, oh, we got to be worried about the perception. I do not get that at all. You didn't hire a big name. Nobody cares about Josh Heupel. They go, give Josh Heupel a chance. That's what they care about with Josh Heupel is Mm -hmm. having to go, we got to give him a chance. But if it was a big name, you would go, I trust this guy. I'm ready to win football games. Let's sell these season tickets. Let's get everybody fired up. Well, you didn't do that. You weren't able to land that guy because it's because Tennessee is just a nightmare right now. Um, and so, yeah, all, all of that talk. I mean, I heard the, the same stuff and we were talking all through this search and I, I just don't get it. Just hire, hire the best guys at this point. You're not going to do anything all that exciting with this, with these staff changes and and just get the right guys to win football games that's all anybody cares about now I think, and, and go ahead when you talk about the perception when you talk about this perception that we've talked about and, and that was a concern you know what the perception is right now is that tennessee hired a guy and they almost hired two other guys too they, they got close with al washington the ohio state linebackers coach it's reported they offered him around $1.5 million a year. He's never been a defensive coordinator. The perception is you're you're overpaying. You're you're begging a guy to come that doesn't really warrant that type of paycheck. Nothing against Al Washington. He seems to be a great coach, but look, you get paid based off your resume. And you go to Matt House, the Chiefs linebackers coach, former Kentucky defensive coordinator. And the guy left college football because he just really you know, he's he he's not a college football guy. He he wants to be in the NFL. I get it. I mean, I completely understand that. It's probably a easier, not easier, but is you don't have to deal with the recruiting and stuff. You're begging him to come after he's told you no once. You almost get that deal done last minute. Chiefs come in, falls apart. Then you go back to to Tim Banks, who's already told you no once or said he's not interested. You give him a little bit more money and make it to the point where he has no choice but to come. It's not that he's dying to be at Tennessee. You didn't get a guy that wants to come to this program because it is Tennessee. You got a guy that's getting paid $1.3 million a year, and he gets to call defensive plays for one of the first times in his career. I mean, That's the perception to me is you had to overpay to beg a guy to come take this job. Yeah, the – this DC search was probably the most depressing thing. And I know people want positivity right now. The the positivity is just, we got to wait until Hypo wins games. I, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sorry. If you yeah. want real positivity, we got to wait till this dude wins some football games. I, I don't know what to tell you. But he to me, this DC search was the most depressing part of this whole thing. Because... Because you did get you did get a head coach to come to Tennessee. You got a guy who had a head coaching experience at a fairly high level, who's had you know a twelve and one season in the last three years, and you know who's like UCF as a, is as big or sorry is as close to Power Five football as you can get outside of Power Five football. And you got their head coach. That's nice. As I said earlier, it doesn't really move the needle, sell any tickets, but it's good. You got that guy. But to me, this D.C. search is a total indictment of how Tennessee is viewed in the coaching community right now. It is viewed as a place, and rightfully 1. so. 1.5. Rightfully so, it is viewed as a place where you go to kill your career. That is what you do. You go to mm-hmm. Tennessee, and you fail, and you get set back into the Stone Age. 
and and that's what happens when you go to Tennessee. So you have to pay a guy who has who has been in a, a defensive coordinator position but has limited experience calling plays uh, and a guy who has a history of working with Butch Jones. <laughs> but that's I'm not going to hit him on that. Uh, he did it. It seemed like he did a decent job in those positions. But a guy who was making, I believe, what, six hundred and fifty thousand dollars and you're giving him a seven hundred thousand dollar raise or more. Are you saying it was is the number one and a half now? What I saw was one one point two. It No, no, it's uh, he was I think it's one point it's one point two or one point three in year one. And then it goes up each year. One point four. I think it eventually we reaches one point five in year three. It's like it progressively get a hundred thousand each year. And it's a three-year deal. I mean, that that's the other thing is you don't you don't give out three-year deals usually. It's usually two-year deals to these assistants. Um and, and, so they had to really commit to banks. And the other thing that I don't really think people, I just talked about it, I don't think people are really grasping is that a linebackers coach turned down a job in the SEC for one point five million a year. Without Washington, unbelievable. Let that let that sink in. <laughs> and not only that, yeah. look if look Al Washington, he he has a good reputation. He's a great recruiter. Um, if if he comes to Tennessee and fails, his career is not completely derailed because look, he's already got several built-in excuses. Look that Tennessee, look at that place. Bob Shoup went there and almost ruined his career. Left and resurrected his career. They have sanctions. That people are crazy there. Like Al Washington could have came here, collected his check. You know, maybe it goes well, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But he would have been fine. And he still looked at that and was like, "No, I'm not. I'm not taking all that money to go there." That that is, that's as bad as it gets. Like I don't think people really have let that sink in. I want to analyze this another way. I want to say. Hey, let's see what Tim Banks can do. That's great. And and that is sure. Let's see what Tim Banks can do. He's he's got a a tough road to hoe. I'll tell him that with the roster mm-hmm. that he's going to have and just everything with that defense. Good luck. I'm glad I'm not you. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. And 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 you're also coaching. I think this was a big factor in this coaching search too with the defensive coordinator. You're coaching across from uh, Heupel's offense, which is extremely fast, has major time of possession problems uh, from from his teams in the past, where the defense gets saddled by being on the field for huge chunks of the game. And you almost have this factor of where no matter who you bring in, that guy could be good. Maybe Tim Banks is really good, and he might be. Uh, but he's going to look bad because he's his unit's going to have to be on the field for half the game and that or more and it's gonna be you know they're just gonna get tired out and that's the nature of being a tired unit in a game of football is that you get gouged and and it looks like you're not as good as you maybe are and so I think that was a factor in all this on top of the fact that Tennessee is a place where where you your career gets ruined and so I, oh, it's, it's tough. I want to analyze it another way. I truly, truly do, I mean, but I'm not going to get on here and blow smoke to, to the good people that listen to this show. Yeah. This, this DC search was depressing to me. It just was, but it if, is what it is. If, if you look at this thing, if you look at this thing, you say, okay, like what, what, what at all is there positive 
to pull from Tim Banks. I think one, I guess that he was willing to take the job because so few <laughs> <Yeah>. people were, <laughs> um, which is again, sad, but he's a, he's a good recruiter. Uh, most of his connections are in the Midwest, but I, look, he's from Detroit. He's been in a lot of different cities. I mean, uh, if you can, if you can recruit, you can recruit. I, I fully believe that. He might not have the strong connections in the South because he hasn't really coached in the South outside of a couple years at Memphis and I think the early 2000s. But you can recruit. You're at Tennessee. I, I think that's fine. I, I don't have any concerns there really with, with many people on the staff. I think his defensive style, what we've seen at Penn State, and, and again, he wasn't the play defensive play caller at Penn State. He was really just the safeties coach that had a co-defensive coordinator title, essentially. But those, if, if he takes from those defenses, they are aggressive. You know, they're trying to create turnovers. They're, they they tackle the football. Uh, that's you know that's their their forcing fumbles. That that's what they want to do, and that's what you have to do with Hypel. I mean, you're not going to grind it out and and slug it out defensively and win these games. You have to force some turnovers, which means you give up some big plays. I mean, there that's going to happen. There's going to be those splash plays that they give up, and Penn State was doing that, especially last year. They gave up quite a few big plays in the passing game, but you also end up with turnovers and with a high scoring offense. You hope that you can just you know keep a team to 20 30 points and you outscore them. It's going to be a little different than what we're become accustomed to the last 3 years. Now will all that work? I don't know cuz like you said challenges with the roster, you know, some of your best defensive players are leaving. Henry Toto's almost certainly not coming back after his dad pretty much said it was a mistake to come to Tennessee. We don't know if Crouch will be back. You know, he, he's in a tough spot and it, it it really is hard to be positive about it, but it was going to be hard to be positive about whoever got hired as the defensive coordinator just based yeah. on the situation. I mean, all, almost anybody, unless they win and they got, yeah, mush champ. I mean, or you win and you stole a current defensive coordinator from another SEC team that's better than you, like going out and getting yeah, Jamie from Georgia. Arnett. Zach yeah, Arnett would have been nice Mississippi State. Yeah, if you could go get Zach Arnett or somebody like that, another SEC program that you sniped from, you know, there, there wasn't going to be a whole lot of excitement around this. But the way that this went, where, I mean, it's exactly what you said, where you offered a linebackers coach who was, if, if I'm remembering correctly, he was making like 650 and they were offering him almost a million dollar raise and he didn't come. <laughs> he decided to stay. I mean, that's not good, guys. That's not good. That's I and and so hey, Tim Banks agreed to come. That's great. Hopefully, he embraces the job. It's going to be a tough one. Uh, good luck to him. Um, that that I think that's most of our breakdown uh, for for the defensive side. I want to move to the offensive side, which we do know the entire staff on the offensive side, at least the on the field roles. Uh, but any any final thoughts? on defensive coordinator before we can, we can actually have some positivity about the offensive coaching staff. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think that Rodney Gardner is a guy that was brought up in some interviews with guys. So I don't think that was a surprise to, to Banks or anybody else taking the job that he was going to be part of the staff. That was a pretty much a Danny white hire, I'd say, because, but hypo was on board with it. I mean, that, there was no, and I will yeah. say this too. We talked about the perception stuff and, and White and Hypo and these hires. 
I don't think there's any issues between Danny White and Josh Heupel. I think the two get along just fine. Heupel wouldn't have followed him to Tennessee if their relationship was strained in any way. Um, but I, I do think Garner was a guy that he was like, you should probably hire this guy, which is a smart move. I mean, that he, SEC connections, great position coach. Uh, I think I think Heupel would really like for Willie Martinez to be on staff. Uh, I think he's somebody that was discussed in interviews with guys. Uh, Banks doesn't really have a connection to him, but they kind of – well, actually, they, uh, they do. I forgot about this. I saw this morning when I was researching some stuff, Willie Martinez was actually Banks' uh, position coach for one year at Central Michigan back in 1994. So there is a random little connection huh. there. And then I guess where <laughs> Banks has worked for Butch Jones and Martinez worked for Butch Jones, there's a little bit of a connection there. So it, it would make sense for him to be on the staff. Which pretty much leaves so two spots talk about, for him to fill. Let, let's do finish with with that a, a little bit. The Butch Jones connection with Banks. It was the first thing that I pointed out yesterday when I looked at his resume. When it was kind of clear that he was going to be the guy for sure. Um, I don't. I, I didn't point it out as a as a negative, even if it appeared that way. Um, he was the sole defensive coordinator for Butch at Central Michigan, and then. Uh, Banks and Jancic took over co-DC roles at Cincinnati. Jancic followed to Tennessee, uh, and then uh, I believe Banks went to Illinois. But um, So maybe the connection with Jancic comes into it now. Again, I'm not going to take much away from him being, you know, there's been, like, you could... Like guys that work for Butch aren't Butch. That that's the easiest way that that I can put it. I'm not gonna make that like a toxic tag on anybody. Oh, you worked for Butch Jones for a while. That you're that's not good. Eh, you know, eh. That's just not something I'm gonna do. It's it's overly simplified and and just kind of a lame take, I think. So uh I I would say maybe Jancic becomes uh the factor. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what kind of connection they they have there. I've heard that Jancic at least respects Banks, thinks is a decent hire from people that have talked to him. Um, but that's uh, on the whole. Just wanted to address the little Butch connection there because I know people were worried about it. Yeah, I don't really see it as a negative either. I mean, Butch had a lot of a lot of solid assistance. I mean, he he did. He made some hires that were questionable during his time at Tennessee, but he also attracted some some really good coaches to his staff. I mean, Charlton Warren, uh, I think he's at Indiana now as a defensive coordinator. Maybe I mean he's a solid coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you go work where you can work at some point in college football, and especially when you were in Tim Bates' situation when you're kind of rising through the ranks. He played at Central Michigan. Yeah, you go be the central coordinator, central or defensive coordinator at Central Michigan. You, you know, going to Cincinnati, it's a bit of a raise. It, it makes sense, and I, I don't think of that as a negative either. Another little thing that's kind of ironic though is that uh, Banks went to Penn State when Shoop went to Tennessee, which is just kind of a funny little aside there. That is interesting. That's. <laughs> kind of a funny connection that I hadn't thought about. Um, but nonetheless, and, and like Penn State had, uh, I believe I looked, they had the number three defense in the Big Ten last year, and he he obviously was very heavily involved in that, whether he called plays or not, or whatever the exact setup was. Um, so, yeah, there's that. I, I'm going to give him the chance that the man deserves, and I'm not going to saddle him with, oh, you're a Butch Jones guy. That's 
nah, let's just see what he does. Uh, Do you think you would you put him above? Like if you have Al Washington, Casey Rogers, Matt House, Tim Banks, we know that they've offered they offered those forward the the job. Where do where do you think Banks falls on that list? I mean, probably third, right? I like Madhouse had SEC years long defensive coordinator yeah. uh, experience. I mean, that's I don't best think resume. Gonna, yeah, you're not going to be able to beat that. Casey Rogers, Tennessee connection, pretty He's good an NFL defensive coordinator, but yeah. hadn't coached in college in like 20 years. Exactly. So that's those were the two. I'm kind of like, ah, would he fall? The the only thing with Rogers is he's a Tennessee guy. That's the only thing. Um, yeah, I, I probably I might put Banks ahead of Rogers because he's coming. Like I specifically for the recruiting piece, I think. Although at the same time, you could argue a guy coming from the NFL could go into a guy's home and be like, "I've worked in the NFL. I know exactly what it takes to get you to the league." You could say things like that. I especially that Super Bowl ring. Yeah, exactly. So I. You know, that's pretty tough, but I think out of those three, Madhouse is probably the clear number one because he just has that direct Southeastern Conference defensive coordinator experience. Um, but I, you know, Tim, Tim's going to get the chance to prove himself. If And I'll say this, if the man can put together a good defense alongside Josh Heupel's offense and with this uh, roster that he's going to have to work with, whew, I bet he's a head coach within two years probably because <laughs> that would be a damn yeah. impressive job. I'll say that if, if he can really work it and out, really, I, I'm going to, because of all he, of that, I'm going to give him grace also. Cause I'm, I'm not going to be super harsh. I, you know, you got to be honest and be like, this guy has an uphill battle here and, and best of luck mm-hmm. to him. Um, and they don't so. need, they don't need like a top 25 defense really, to be honest, no. if it's top 30, top 40, it's golden. You're good. Yeah, just just look. Look, Ole Miss last year with Kiffin should be the golden example of hopefully how this will go in Josh Heupel's first year. Just gaudy offensive numbers. Hopefully the defense is a little better than Kiffin's was. I believe Kiffin's defense was literally the second to worst defense in all of college football this past year. Uh, hopefully you can do a tad. Well, he has than DJ that. Durkin there. Yeah, oof. yeah. Hopefully you can do a little bit better than Durkin. Um, but the, just. On on the whole, we'll just we'll just have to see. You don't even know the roster that you're going to have right now. You may not have Toto. You may not have Crouch, as you said earlier. Let's just see what happens. But on on the offensive side of the ball, it's a much simpler conversation. Heupel basically brought everybody, not everybody, but he brought a set of guys with him from UCF. He brought his offensive coordinator with him. While at the same time, it has been acknowledged that he usually calls the plays. Um, for for his offense, and so I I don't have a ton of analysis of that. the The two hires they brought in Jerry Mack from Rice, and I'm just saying that off the top of my head, Cody Burns from Auburn to coach the wide receivers. Jerry Mack, well, he had actually he had, he had hired Cody Burns at UCF, so he kind of. Hadn't really worked with him yet, but came with him because Burns wasn't retained by the new Auburn head coach. Yeah, and and so that I, I think all of that is fine. Yeah, the the really the only one they brought in, like fully brought in, is is Mac. 
I, he was a wide receivers coach where he was at running backs coach. I, they're a, a little bit of a, a, a dime a dozen, so to speak, unless you're talking about like a Jay Graham who, I mean, it's painful that Jay Graham is gone, but that another thing where you just go, it is what it is. I just don't think that you could have kept them around as much as that sucks, man. Um, but th- there's a lot of best two running backs coach of the last decade or in Alabama. Uh, it hurts. It hurts. But this is the situation that Tennessee is in. So you, you bring in a guy who who wasn't a running back running backs coach from where he came from. But I don't think that that it, if you're a good coach, you're a good coach. I mean, all, all of these guys are probably working to get to that offensive coordinator position and then get to be a, a head coach. So. If, if you can be good with wide receivers, ideally you'd be able to be good with running backs too. I, you know, I'm not going to put too much analysis around a guy who's uh, the, the running backs coach that you brought in. I don't even know how you say this. Josh Halsell, the, who was uh, the, the quarterbacks coach at UCF with Heupel. But of course, Heupel himself is really known as the quarterbacks guy. Um, and, and so that, you know, these guys have gotten results where they have been straight up number two offense in America last year, flat out, they've done it and they've done it with three star players. They've made it work where they just put up huge numbers. And I, I'm just not going to have a crossword to say about any of that. They all, you know, everybody that I think Hypo wanted came here. I don't think they had a lot of problems with that. And so, Hey, fine. Cool. Uh, I, I like that offensive staff. Let's see what they can do. Yeah, I think most people have been pretty positive about it. At, at first, I heard a lot of uh, comparisons to Butch Jones when he brought most of his staff from Cincinnati. Look, th- these guys have proved it at UCF. Like you said, they, they've the results speak for themselves. And the staff continuity will be there. It's It's perfect the way it is, I think, for now. And something I think people fail to kind of remember here is Tennessee had a pretty loaded offensive staff last year. You, you're paying Jim Chaney a lot of money to be the offensive coordinator, celebrated higher when he came back to Tennessee. You got T. Martin, Tennessee legend, coaching wide receivers, Jay Graham, a great running backs coach, another Tennessee legend. Chris Winkie, a Heisman Trophy winner, and played at Florida State, pretty decorated career. And uh, Will Friend, a veteran offensive line coach who spent a lot of time in the SEC. I mean, that's a loaded staff with a lot of names, and the offense was dreadful. So I do not put much stock into big assistant names at this point anymore. I just don't. After the Pruitt era. The thing that matters. Look, just show me, you know. (laughs) Yeah, the, the thing that matters is the guy at the top. Any, any of that comparison to, oh, Butch brought his whole staff to Tennessee, and so th- this, and he, now Heupel's doing the same thing. Butch sucked. Butch is an idiot. Butch is a moron. He hasn't changed a bit. He's being a moron at Arkansas State. I don't, you know, and and so it all matters the guy at the top. Can Heupel take the staff that he's brought in, whoever they are? I literally do not care who the staff is as long as they win football games. Hire, hire my mother-in-law. I don't care as long as she puts results on the field. <laughs> I don't, I do not care. And it all, it just comes down 
Decan and Heupel put the right guys with the right players and put those players in the right positions to win football games. I mean, that that's that. And we're not going to know if he can do that until September. So uh, that's, that's pretty much that. I think with the staff, let's do say, I, I said earlier, there's not much you could do to move the needle with the staff hires and, and things like that until you win football games. Now, there is something that could happen that would move the needle a little bit during this off season and get people really hyped. And that would be Ty Simpson choosing to come to Tennessee. He's making his announcement next Friday, a week from Friday. Um, it was supposed to be this Friday. All of the bad weather changed those plans. The weather in the South has been totally nutty. My cousins in Fort Worth, Texas have like a foot of snow in their yard. I don't even know. Uh, just it's been a, what a just a strange couple of years, hadn't it? Uh, so, um, might as well be giant snow in Texas. Uh, but the that would just be massive in a way, like massive for Hypel's start at Tennessee in a way that's it's really hard to quantify. I, you just the positivity that that would bring around him, his ability, and the way that he's viewed as a quarterbacks guy. Because I think that's the hope is that. Heupel's the quarterback's guy. Hopefully Ty Simpson sees that, wants to come to Tennessee. And then also his prowess as a recruiter, because that was one of his big knocks, was all of his recruiting classes were ranked in the, the 60s and the 70s when he was at UCF, blah, blah, blah. And I, it would just check off so many boxes that Heupel needs checked immediately. Uh, it It would be huge to get Simpson, man. I mean, it would be, and I... Th- I think Tennessee has a chance there, especially after hearing Simpson's interview with 104.5, uh, the zone in Nashville last week, man, he's the, he's the one guy though, that I would not blame him. If he went elsewhere, I would totally understand it. When Cade May signed with Georgia, I I thought it was kind of an easy way out of that situation, but I still, kind of understood it. But with Simpson, you can go to Clemson where Trevor Lawrence is fits in to be the number one pick. Uh, Deshaun Watson, you hear his name almost every day on ESPN in, in some form or fashion. You go to Clemson, you, you kind of know you're set. I mean, if you can play, you're going to be a first-round pick. Or you go to Alabama, you win a national championship, you play well again, the attention's going to be on you. Or you can take a gamble, go to the in-state school, hope that things work out with Hypo, who hasn't coached a game there yet. And then you have the sanctions where we have no clue what's going to happen. Does Simpson play with a roster that's not full because of lost scholarships? I mean, that's probably going to happen. When does he get to play in a bowl game? There's a ban- There's probably going to be a bowl ban uh, for one year, two year. I don't know what it'll be. I mean, we really have no idea. I mean, there's just so many unknowns there that if you're a player as talented as Simpson, you get one shot at having this college career. Why? I mean, why would you pick Tennessee in a way? I mean, I could totally understand why he wouldn't if you look at it from kind of an outsider's view. He will, at his other two choices that he has on the table, he'll win a national title. It's that simple. 
at Clemson or Alabama, you'll win a national title. Most likely, more than likely in the next four years, for sure at Alabama. And probably what, like 75% chance if you go to Clemson, you'll win, you'll win a national title while you're there. Uh, if not, at worst, you'll play in one. And so I, in no way, will I be shocked or at all blame anybody for anything if he chooses to go to either of those two schools. But there are kids with the mentality of, I want to go somewhere that is not that, you know, they, they want to go somewhere where they're building or there's just a something, you know, something else besides just those massive NFL machines. And, you know, I, I'm however you feel. I the, that's great. I just feel like it would be an easy decision for me, and the easy decision would not be Tennessee. As much as I love Tennessee, you just have to say it how it is. It's a mess here. But. Maybe he takes a flyer on Hypel and it could just change. You just think about it. A great quarterback for any coach at all can change everything. You look back at Gene Chizik. Gene Chizik sucked. He is a terrible football coach. He's pretty good on TV or whatever, but he's a bad football coach. Cam Newton took him to a national title. A great quarterback can change literally everything. And so. It would just be so massive. And and I don't want to put that kind of saddle on on Ty Simpson. I mean, he's uh in-state kid, obviously highly recruited, highly sought after, blah, blah, blah. But you never know with a quarterback. It could go south at Alabama, or he just never sees a field at Alabama. Somebody else gets recruited, and he gets chosen over. Um, he, he gets hopped by somebody else. You never know. Uh, and that could be a factor in his thinking, too. Does he go, am I even good enough, truly, at the end of the day for Clemson and Alabama? I hope he thinks that. <laughs> I think he is. But there's there's a lot of factors. And uh, if it's realistic for Tennessee, and I think to some extent it is, man, what a huge, huge get that would be. And I, I hope we get to talk. I guess it wouldn't be this next episode, but the the episode two weeks on, I really hope we get to talk about how Ty Simpson is coming. And there's something it would, it would just be so huge if for nothing else than to give Tennessee fans something truly to be excited about. Like I'm, I have hope because it's a new coach who's bringing in an exciting offense and all that stuff, but it's still a total mess at Tennessee. And I think getting Ty Simpson would just be like a real ray ray of sunshine to just shine on this place. And it needs it so, so badly right now. (laughs) I'll say one thing about Simpson. Uh, whenever he commits, which is supposed to be next Friday, uh, February 26th, I, I don't think you're going to see him decommitting or anything like that. And that's not to say, I mean, teams will keep recruiting him, of course, but he seems like the type of kid that when he makes this commitment, that's what he wants to do. That's where he's going no matter what. I mean, that just – the vibe I got from him when he's when he's talked in interviews, he's going to give a coach his word that he's committing, and he's not going to back away from that. Because I, did, I don't know if you listened to the interview with him or not on 104.5, but he was one of the most mature kids I've heard talk. I mean, he was m- more mature than half the people my age I hear talk these, these days. Was, I was really impressed with him and just his presence and – 
he really very self-aware and just really understands that there's a lot of people watching him for this decision. A lot of people have hope in him and he, you know, he understands the situation and the magnitude of when he commits, what it'll mean for a program. So I don't think he's going to be toying around and doing some of the things that you see some uh, commits and recruits do. Yeah. He just seems like a program changer. As much as I said, I don't want to put that that saddle on a guy, make him into some kind of Peyton Manning figure. He seems like a program changer. And, ho- you know, hopefully, like, Caden Salter's that guy. He's super exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And maybe he even fits in I, just as well in, in Heupel's offense as I think Ty Simpson would and, and can be a total game changer. Maybe the guy from Virginia Tech can be. I, Lord willing, <laughs> let's hope. Uh because Tennessee's going to need the help next year, but uh, you do have, you can say this with the, you know, I'm, I'm, I already said I'm not going to be a huge critic of the offensive staff that's coming in. I think they could do a fine job, and they've gotten big results at other places. You have some exciting skill players. You do. Jalen Hyatt looks like an absolute burner who can make extremely exciting plays, and he has great hands. Like you got some guys to work with. Offensive line is kind of in shambles, and. You don't know who your quarterback's really going to be. And the running back room kind of got stripped clean. And uh, <laughs> you know what else? You got, you got some stuff to work on. But but there are some exciting pieces that uh, that I think a really uh, one good set of coaches could work One person that people with. sleep on is... One person that people sleep on is uh, Jalen Wright, a 2021 kid from for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. He's a running back, kind of can play multiple positions that kid is really 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 fast and it's very exciting to think about him and Heupel's offense you know getting him out in space and just he could kind of be that nightmare kid that Tennessee always seems to be playing against it always feels like there's that guy that they gets to the edge and just picks up 15 yards on a third 12 situation I really feel like he can be that guy and he's exciting to me to think about yeah there's there's potential on that offensive side of the ball good luck to the defense they're gonna need it but uh on on the offensive side of the ball there's gonna be pieces to work with Heupel has done more with less in his time that's exciting and so get some program changers in there use the guys you have to be program changers and and we can just kind of go from there but on the whole Zach uh, did was there anything specifically with the staff and kind of how it's coming together that you wanted to address before we we move on? Yeah, I've had a lot of people talking about why why haven't they announced Rodney Gardner yet? Um, he is at, at Tennessee working at this point. I think they're just waiting to announce the defensive staff kind of all together at once, which makes sense. There's kind of how the way they approached it with the offensive staff. Actually, they waited quite a while with the offensive staff, but they did decide to do it all at once. It sounds like Banks is going to get to hire two guys, basically. Uh, I'm really interested to see where he goes for, for those guys because it's, it's going to be hard to convince a guy to come with you from Penn State for a lateral move. It. Uh, you know, do you, you're going to grab a graduate assistant. That's not going to be well-received if you do that. So I'm, I'm really intrigued. I've I've always liked the idea of John Jansick back at Tennessee. Said he, you know, I think he's, his kid's still on the basketball team, right? Is that 
correct, I believe. And uh, yeah, Brock, he was, or I think he's one of those dudes that rides a bench. I'm not sure if he's. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but I mean, they they got Knoxville connections still. I think they have a kid younger than him too. Still, that's kind of funny when when you look up Brock Jancic on Google. Looks like he is still on the basketball team. Uh, His bio, his Google bio says John Jancic's son. Well, quick to the point. <laughs> you, I mean, you could have gone, you know, Tennessee basketball player, Tennessee student. Hey, Brock, we believe in you, man. We see you. <laughs> You're not just John's son. <laughs> Nonetheless. Well, I think Jancic is a guy that really makes sense because he's worked with Rodney Garner before at Georgia. And obviously worked with Willie Martinez if Martinez ends up being back on the staff. And Banks is connected to some of these guys. It, it really, I mean, that to me, it's a hire that makes a lot of sense. Let him work with the, I guess he'd probably be inside linebackers. I think he coached linebackers before. Yeah, why not do it? He wants to be here. He knows Tennessee pretty well. Makes a lot of sense to me and, and could be an easy hire. Because like I said, it's going to be tough to pull qualified coaches away from their current jobs, especially right now when teams are getting ready to start spring practice. It could be tough to find those guys. So I, that's what I would do. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Bates decides to do with that or, or how much input Hypo will have. Uh, because if you see a guy like uh, Nick Toth, Nick Toth uh, from UCF that was special teams, his coach linebackers before – if you see that guy get hired at Tennessee, it's Hypel's hire. Uh, if you see somebody kind of outside of that, then it's uh, obviously Banks' hire. Another guy that that kind of makes sense, uh, I think his name is Joe Lorig. Lorig. It's kind of uh, tough to say. He is at Penn State currently, is a uh, special teams coordinator and outside linebackers coach, but he coached with Hypel at Utah State in 2015, so there's kind of two connections there. Not really sure the relationship, but if they could steal him away from Penn State along with Banks, that would make quite a bit of sense for Tennessee as well. I wouldn't hate it if you couldn't get James Franklin at least take a few of his guys. So, <laughs> fine by me. Um, yeah, on on the whole, I, w- I would just say of the staff and everybody that brought in, it, it's a lot of un unproven pieces either unproven pieces or just guys that don't have that long of a resume or it's guys that Heifel's already worked with and they've put up big numbers at UCF let's see if they can do it you know at the SEC level but just we've said it so much already on this episode gotta see it to believe it that's gonna be the bottom line until we see it and it it sucks that we gotta wait seven months to to really get some kind of results, but that's, uh, that's the nature of what Tennessee is, is going through. I would say better this than to have stuck with Jeremy Pruitt and put your entire program, uh, in the dumpster over a three win guy. So <laughs> there's, I'll say you gotta, you gotta count you know your what's blessings. crazy that I was, yeah, I was thinking about this last night. If, if all this investigation stuff doesn't happen, I mean, we know that, Pruitt is back at Tennessee. How, and and that's because Fomer wanted him back at Tennessee. How bad 
is Philip Fulmer at identifying coaching talent. If what he saw from Pruitt and what we've heard over the last three years and, and kind of now that, that we've heard some a few behind the scene things. And then, you know, this this past week, stuff about Pruitt's time at Georgia came out. Uh, where human resources investigated several incidents with Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, he threw a football at the back of an equipment manager's head, uh, shoved some people, which, you know, I, I know it's some stuff that, you know, maybe it's not a big deal. I don't know. But when you're a professional, you're in a professional environment, you kind of need to handle yourself, at least have a handle on your emotions. And we saw Pruitt's emotions get the best of him at times while at Tennessee, it's pretty obvious that people knew Pruitt's reputation. So when you have all that plus the results and Fomer still thought this guy needs another year, that's really depressing to think that Fomer was that inept at identifying coaching talent. I mean, that's anybody could see it. And it seems like people knew, you know, people in the coaching community knew that Pruitt wasn't really cut out to be a head coach at all. And Fulmer was just going to roll with him. It is just another factor in all of this. That's really, that's really depressing. I, I'd like, that's the kindest way that I can put it. Cause it is, it's just a guy who's been legendary around Tennessee and has just done so much as an ambassador for this university. And you just go, Phil, what were you doing? That's what were you You're thinking? too close. You're too close to the situation and making an emotional decision where you just can't make a business decision. Yeah. And that's what they needed. Mm. And that that is what I hope. Uh, you know, Danny White is I, I'm I'm still jury's still out on on Danny White. Well we'll see. I've seen some things I really like and I've seen some things where I go, but if nothing else, I hope that he brings that that decisiveness. And and that experience with him to not not suffer fools, not put up with a guy when it becomes obvious. I've I've already said this. I did a big rant on this already, but just <laughs> not put up with a guy who it's clear you you pass that threshold, you know it's over. Don't let it be over and continue on just because. Oh, he's I. What if it's my hire and I? But if it's what if it <laughs> fire, it's over. I hope that White brings that. If if nothing else, um, but on the whole, I think that's that's pretty much gonna be it. There there is basketball. It just it's up and down and up and down and up and down for Tennessee. Basketball, they win in Rupp Arena. It's amazing. Then uh, they they pretty much put a pretty good look in on Georgia, and then they lose to LSU. You know, it's uh, it just is sort of back and forth with those guys. Hopefully, they can pull it together to to end the season and be playing their best basketball here in a couple weeks of March. But uh, I think what that- did you think about Wes Rutgers tweet about uh, Rick Barnes and taking responsibility? Because I saw he caught some flat for that. Well, I don't think I saw. What exactly did he say? I was pre- I was a little... Uh, was this over the weekend when they lost to LSU? Yes, yes. I was out of commission. I, I, I was out of commission for that I, for that game. I was out of town. So, 
uh, I think it's something that we've kind of discussed before, but he basically said it, it would, you know, it would go a long way for Rick Barnes and, and PR if he would step up and accept some responsibility instead of constantly pointing out blame on the players. And Wes caught a bit of heat for that. I don't know why you would catch heat for that. Uh, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I agree with that, uh, frankly, because Rick, I mean, I love Rick's directness. I love the fact that he will just call out players like that. It makes his players better, mm-hmm. and it makes his players want more out of themselves and for the team. Um, at the same time, I will knock Rick and say that he does not put enough blame on himself. That is just unequivocally true. I sat in interviews with that guy for hours, for years, okay? I have sat in a press room with Rick Barnes and listened to him talk right at me a lot. And and I've had personal conversations with him off mic, uh, too. And, and the personal conversations are a different thing. But in an interview, like, he does not put enough of the blame on himself when these things happen. Like there was a factor during the season that I, you know, I will say Rick was kind of trying to put a square peg in a round hole, trying to make uh, these freshmen play slow basketball. These freshmen want to get out and they want to play in transition and they want to, they want to play fast and they want to dunk the basketball and they want to play high flying hoops. And that's not, you know, it's Rick is kind of being like, my way or the highway and Rick will not want to talk about that. He doesn't. And that's just the way that that guy is. He, he's done a lot of winning as a basketball coach. And he says, I've won a lot. You haven't. And you do what I say, or you're done or you're out. He, he just doesn't mess around. And so I agree, frankly, um, just, just from all of that, I, I don't want like I feel like a douche pulling that card being like, oh, I've heard I've been I've interviewed Rick and I, it's just true, though. Like I've I have <laughs> like I feel like a lot of Tennessee fans probably don't just sit and listen to a Rick Barnes interview and just give a whole lot of time to his press conferences. And you shouldn't. You got better things to do. I did because I did that as a job for years and he does not do that enough. Wes is right. That is what it is. It's, even I don't you know, if you don't like Wes. Whatever. I know he's not everybody's favorite guy, but I, I think he's right on that. I don't know exactly what he said, but I agree. So there's that. Yeah, yeah. I, I disagree with Wes on plenty, but I was definitely agreed with him on that. I was just wanted to hear your take. I That's, yeah, that's the best I can give you. And otherwise, I think uh, we're pulling up on 55 minutes here. That's a good show. We'll be back. You won't even have to wait a whole week. We'll be back Sunday. Uh, I'm not going to delay the podcast for some not coordinator hires. So there's that. <laughs> I'm Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan. Thank you so, 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 so much for listening and for interacting with us on social media and all of that stuff. Uh, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com, the A to Z Sports Nashville podcast network feed, rate, sub- rate review, subscribe. Spotify, iTunes, I don't know. Do whatever you want. This is America. Um, And that's all. We will talk to you all next week. See you guys later.